everybody. It's LOI Central with Dan and Johnny. Hello and welcome. It's uh, the ninth episode of our seventh season uh, of LOI Central. And as ever, it's Johnny Ward and Dan McDonald. We are in association with Future Ticketing. We're in association with Collar and Cuff. Go in for a decade to give you a good deal with your shirt and tie. And uh, yeah, we're also in association uh, with Rascals Brewery. And uh, I have a little plug for the Rascals Festival. The Happy Days Beer and Food Festival coming up this May Bank Holiday Weekend. Supporting Irish food and drink producers. Search Rascals Brewing on Eventbrite. Last week we had Colin Hawkins on the show. We had a massive reaction to that. And thanks to everyone who donated money as well for Colin's fundraiser at the weekend. On today's show we have Tomás Conley, next LOI uh, referee, who's been involved in the administration of um, the refereeing game in the LOI. And I think it's timely um, you know, that we get a, a referee's representative on the show. And I think we're going to have an interesting mailbag as well. Interesting because... Um, Almost in the flick of a switch, Dan, and I mean at the flick of a switch, Shamrock Rovers look like they're going to win the league. Like just over the course of a weekend, well, you know, the one thing about Rovers beat UCD at home, and obviously won um, a tough game away from home that maybe they weren't expected to win. Derry's wobble though is probably one of the main talking points this weekend. I think. Yeah, I mean the thing about a double header sometimes is like the second game of the, the second round of fixtures colours like particularly when we do the show here we end up like leaning on the second one so like if we're doing a show last Saturday morning um, say then we're probably talking about have Bo's limitations been exposed yeah. you know it's a reality check for them here and yes within a couple of days they're back you know having having a having the crack at a petrol station on the way back so from, from Derry and, and the Bose buzz is restored in a short space of time. But like it was one of those weekends where like Derry and Dundalk both on a on a buzz kill completely. You know, um shells were were down low and managed to turn it round to And we will hear from we'll, Damien we'll, Duff. We'll hear a bit of Damien Duff as well. Um but the the one consistency I suppose, I mean Pats have won twice and and them and Shamrock Rovers are moving up the table together, but it's it's probably more ominous from Rovers. More so because of how good they were on Friday. I mean, they were always going to beat UCD and I doubt they had to come out of uh, first or second gear to do it. Um, but the the way in which they won in Daily Mount was very, very impressive. And um, it is true. Like, you, you know, Derry have taken 15 points from the first series of games. Um, they took considerably more from last year's first series of games. Um but I mean, this home form issue. We have comments about in the mailbag, which we'll we'll deal with. Um, but it's I mean, like you know, zero from six in that weekend when you can be sure they sat down and looked at the table or looked at the fixtures and say, okay, two home games. What are we going to do here? I mean, it's just an unthinkable scenario. Um, now it's a quarter of the way in, like. I think the nature of the league this year is teaching us not to like go down a particular team to heavily after a couple of results it can change very very quickly and I mean Derry still have players to come back like they haven't had the you know Michael Duffy and Cameron Domigan and Colin Whelan um, and I suppose have Shamrock Rovers been missing players of equivalent quality from their squad like how would they be getting on if they were missing Jack they Byrne and a few others Conley and it's, again, Mark Conley of course he got injured huge, their form huge, has gone huge, backwards sorry so. Mark Conley huge you know, you know if, if Shamrock Rovers are missing the equipment they have a couple of suspensions and so on but how would they how would they be coping without Jack Byrne without um, you know I said but but the flip side of that is I mean they, they would wear without Gary O'Neill for example in Daily Mount on Friday um, Richie Tell you know several members of the starting team and they still went and won against a team that 
could well be a top three team away from home. So, um, yeah, there's a lot to uh, process. I mean, the Hawkins thing, I should say, just before we move on from it, like, I mean, there was a, a great response to it. I'm not sure. We actually had a couple of people get in touch with us. Um, we did, yeah. Via social yeah. media, myself personally, and also through our account. Do you think we're wasted in football, Dan? We should be, like, should branch out and, like, have... You know, people coming on the show talking about their issues. Uh, yeah, I think a men's health <laughs> podcast with us would be uh, would be interesting, mainly because the, the two Dan hosts, and Johnny, the, sorry, the two hosts would be the main the source host, of concern. Yeah. Enoch Burke got a lot of mentions. <laughs> turns, well. out, turns, turns out, turns out, the, the listeners are all healthier than the hosts. This is not exactly a men's health, uh, both physically and mentally. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you know, James Lyons got in touch, and and he. Um, I'm not sure he wants this read out as such, but you know he had a he had a history of like a you know a personal health episode that took him by surprise, and again a 39 year old with um with young kids, and again, um I'd Eamon uh, Eamon had a dog fan and touched me as well, and the moral of the story is the message of getting things checked out if you aren't feeling well is like a strong one, it's a mm-hmm. powerful one, and even just around football actually we had a lot of comments from people I think I know both of us did and people looking to get in touch with Colin and, and, and to extend their good wishes. So, um, but yeah, I suppose if there's one thing you take away from uh, a lot of the rubbish we talk about in here, um, I'm guessing um, it's not to delay that medical appointment you think you might need, or even if you don't think you need it, um, it's a it's a precautionary thing to, to go and get a check. So, um, yeah, I suppose Colin, it's great that he raised, helped to raise awareness, but but obviously, you know, our thoughts remain with him. And how things go in the in the weeks and the months ahead. I, I think, Johnny, to be honest, what we, we might do them. is, let's just go to the mailbag because it deals with um, pretty much all the things we want to talk about here. Everyone's crazy about a sharp-dressed mailbag, am I right? These electronic letters have style for miles, so let's dig in. Yeah, it's time uh, for the mailbag. And, uh, yeah, the mad thing is that now uh, Pat's are a point behind Derry. <laughs> and uh, Dundalk are... Um, kind of down in the relegation zone. Obviously, all this changes in the course of a match or so, but the two rounds of games were mad. Derry's struggle for goals, in particular at home, continue. Yeah, so like we, we, like we have a, topics, a variety of topics um, covered in the mailbag, um, some some sort of uh, offbeat ones. But I mean, my, on the team, but like, do we, we have the sort of Derry and Dundalk ones here. Um, Greg, Derry and Dundalk, but with club legends in charge, still an unproven strategy in the game in general. Uh, normal fan criticism is often late coming because of their status. More often than not, it's too late. Um, we'll deal with the, all these in a block. David Nangle, which LOI manager is under the most pressure at the moment. Um, Jerry Thunder, Dundalk in trouble. Will the manager come under pressure? Is the blame being placed on the owners? Mole of El Paso, Dundalk have only played a handful of good games since June 2022. Um, and then, yeah... Uh, Mick O'Mara but Derry's home form is it really as simple as the pitch doesn't suit them how does Stephen Kenny and Dundalk make a similar pitch a place to be feared a lot of ex-Dundalk lads at Derry bizarre surely the pitch is a smokescreen um, Paul Hogan references Colin Whelan and Michael Duffy I suppose as I did Bobby Fitzgerald the departure of Alan Reynolds from Derry must be huge considering what the manager must be going through I'm not sure if that's a reference to Ray Higgins personal issues in recent months but obviously that has to take something out of you and then um, Dr. Orla McDevitt Petrovic Derry fan we've constant injuries disruption Randy left more disruption we've lost points due to pure officiating yes home form needs to improve but we are far from done some are far too eager to criticise Higgins unfair considering what he and the club have been dealing with so that's a sort of a mixed um, bag of views there I don't know about the club legends point Um, I think uh, I mean, okay, Murray Higgins definitely like was appointed on the basis of 
like his affiliation with the club, but it was also because he was he, he had an excellent reputation as being an assistant at Dundalk and a big part of their success, and was on the Ireland staff. Similarly, like Stephen O'Donnell from his FAI Cup win and his job at Pats. Obviously, like it's not a case that they've been handed the gig, sort of like a Frank Lampard thing, like too early, you know, or or, or you know, coming out of retirement and going straight into the gig. Absolutely. But but I, I mean, I understand the point. Is does that make their is there a reluctance to criticise on that basis? Um, but I don't know what you think. Yeah, I think the I, I think there's a bit of a, a bit of truth to that. It like if you look at the the, the injuries that Derry have had, they're a point ahead of Shamrock Rovers after the first round of games. I think they probably take that. It's just the fact that. I don't know when teams sit in against them, they may, they might struggle a bit. I mean, their, their goal scoring record is poor. Dundalk one is strange, Dan, because Dundalk couldn't beat UCD, and um, I don't think they had a shot on target in Turner's Cross. Could be wrong. On that. I saw I saw some of the second half. Huben come on late. I mean, Huben factor is massive, but like it's similarly like you mentioned Mark Connolly missing injured players. Like okay, Derry actually does multiple injured players, but Dundalk it's more the Huben thing. I know there's Paul Doyle and a few other players haven't been involved, but. To me, it's it's their lack of creativity, and Huben is like very much a focal point for how they play. To me, at times in the second half in Cork, it was a case of well, try and get the ball to Tullock and see if he can do something. Yeah, and I mean he does do things occasionally, but other teams have copped on to him very quickly, being a pretty major threat. Like he did win the penalty against Sligo, he makes things happen, but it's a little bit like, yeah, they don't really have several points of attack, um, mm. and they're you know they're. And they, the, they play some nice football the, still, but, but, but on that note, the, goal, the, the second goal they gave away against Sligo is kind of unforgivable at that time of the game where, you mean, it's risky passing the ball out from the back um, with a high press. They lost the ball and Stephen O'Donnell spoke afterwards that, I mean, the draw was bad. This is worse. Uh, they've given goals away, like they, they, even the goal in Cork, like they have given goals yeah. away from trying to play out but not being on the same page. I think Stephen O'Donnell said it was like the two halves of the pitch weren't in unison. And again, I mean, that you can attribute that to Hoopin in some ways too because he is such a focal point. But There are three um, points off, off third. There are three points to Sham Grove. It's not, it's not like... But, but, and they've a, they've a goal difference of zero, so they, they've like a lot of room for improvement. But have they... Has he been given the resources to get the players he wants, or is Dundalk as attractive as other clubs? I am wondering because you look at why are Dundalk so reliant on a, an aging Patrick Huben? Yeah, well, I think um, it's funny. I still get some the odd message or two from Dundalk fans about referencing the fact that when Stat Sports and and the Andy Connolly crew come up that they would have a competitive budget um, last season. Now I, I would stand over that they did have a competitive budget. I mean, they, they qualified for Europe. I mean, I think that was competitive in the context of the doomsday talk that they would have a, like a part time. Um, sort of stripped down budget which was part of the chat initially post peak six but wasn't they had a good full time budget last year decent you know, I think this year um, the problem with the dock is that it's not the top club in the country anymore uh, and also all the clubs in Dublin are, are reasonably um, attractive you know in terms of like you know uh you know, they're living closer to home and so mm. on. And naturally, they've had to go outside the league and to recruit. And they've probably signed a lot of talented academy players um, who haven't huge amount of like men's football experience. Um, but there's, there's, there's clearly, I don't know. You can overreact to a couple of results, but there's definitely an issue whereby um, they're they're sort of reliant on. Um, looking at people to learn in the job pretty quickly yeah. and become sort of winners very quickly. And I don't know, like, again, um, the, the, 
the home form would have been a big sort of buffer for them. And I think even that Sligo Rovers defeat would be a big blow mm. to the confidence as well. And the one thing I'd say about Dundalk as well too, the vibe around the place. Like I think there's no doubt that even that whole talk was quite sort of worrying for people mm. and has led people to sort of question, okay, what's happening? Um, I get the sense that in terms of sort of the spending up there, it's still very much like the the uh, like the first team budget. I'm, I'm not sure that they're sort of the off-the-pitch operation is probably still threadbare in some ways, and I'm not sure if there's a real vibrancy around the place. Like, I think around the, elsewhere in the league, things are sort of, there's a real goodwill, and there's a good buzz around it. I think Dundalk is a danger, it's a hangover from the glory years. And you always find that with the League of Ireland, that you go to a place, and they've been champions like two or three years ago, and they'll tell you, just, the league's terrible at the moment, isn't it? You know, and it's a real sense of, it's not as good as we are, and you would have encountered this in Sligo, um, yeah, a couple of years after Drada, you know, Longford, these places where it's like they're down on things and it's, you know, their their crowd numbers are, are fine, you know, they're not particularly good, they're not particularly bad, they're not getting a big spike. And the place just seems a little bit sort of flat, you know, and that's um I don't know how they seek to address it. I mean, like you have the facilities, you have all those issues, and it just feels like you know, they just need some kind of lift and, and I'd say that off the field uncertainty has probably just um, contributed in some way to some of the, the crowd demeanour around things. I think the results, like they're, they're poor. Um, I feel that they still, I still think they have good players signed, so there's a very good chance they will get better. But, um, you know, you just want to be careful because like Bows are picking up points and they're doing very well. The, the, the dairy thing, I have to say, um, I didn't address Mick O'Meara's point about the pitch, how Dundalk played the pitch. They were very good at Oriel. It is true, but I think like, that Dundalk side, like they had wingers, they had, like, had a John Mountney, they, they knew how to play kickouts, you know, and, and how to use the pitch as well too. Like as much as we say that the dog side play good football, they had an ability to be quite direct at times too. I mean, they had Kieran mm. Kilduff, they had Hoob and they had McMillan running the channels. Derry, you could argue, okay, they, I know they have Ryan Graydon there, but they actually have more, sometimes they can seem a little bit slow on their build-up play and on the artificial pitch, I think that's more of an issue. So I don't think they, they play it as effectively as the others. Um, and I think that's part of the point. Um, anyway, a couple, of other, a couple of other general topics we want to fly through. Um, Byron Martin, question for the Otherwise Central pod. When did players become former Ireland internationals? Graham Burke was last capped in 2018, the same year as Declan Rice was last capped. Listen, this is just a tactical thing, uh, Byron. You can't describe someone as a former Irish international if they can still get called up. And Graham Burke has been on standby in recent memory. Just, just I'd on, be reluctant uh, to let me finish. Like, yeah. I'd be reluctant to call like Shane Long, like a former Irish international, yeah. until he's like retired. James Collins, like he's been in squads in the last twelve to eighteen months. Um, so I wouldn't be calling them former softly. And that's just the thing with Graham Burke and with Jack Byrne. Yes, is it likely they're going to be in squads this year? You know, you'd say it could be. It's you know, say it could be. A, a, you know, it could be a challenge. Um, but you just don't describe it as former Irish internationals. Just, just on, on Graham Burke, he's, he's probably in the form of his his League of Ireland career. I think at the moment, um, he's been unbelievably influential in games. Even shows if Graham Burke. I've often made the point: if Graham Burke were quick, I think he'd be a Premier League player. He's just that's the one thing badly lacking in game. He's no pace athletically. His touch is amazing. He's such an intelligent footballer. Brilliant striker of the ball. He even showed a bit of pace to set up uh, the first goal with that cross into the box on Friday. Um, and I know he's been referenced by Stephen Bradley. I think Graham Burke is absolutely outstanding at the moment. It's a pleasure to watch him play. And if you're a Shamrock Rovers fan, you've Poom, Jack Byrne, Graham Burke, and Neil Farouja sort of involved in your play. You're like, and with a lot of players out, 
probably feeling pretty 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 at the moment Dan in terms of the title race yeah Cotsy Casey the boy warders some life out every night of the week has he ever cooked a meal must be loaded I actually love cooking I'm not loaded um, but I do love food yeah, yeah um, right. if people follow your Instagram they're going to see a lot of food content I was down in um, Terre I think is the best way I can pronounce it sorry what's that it's like the French Terre Terre like it's not Terre like it's like so you have to like how, how would you pronounce it well, do you do French how do you spell it T-E-R-E yeah Tear. like it's hard to <laughs> I can't speak it's a bit like the chowder chowder yeah, chowder <laughs> uh, chowder um, did you have a chowder uh, I chowder. did not so no. this is the best exper- food experience I've ever had like, yeah, I mean never mind had. the men's health it's, it's Johnny never Ward's had. foodie podcast that's the one we want highly you know? recommend it we, we might give a no we won't no we won't um, <laughs> J- J- Justin Mason thought Virgin Media's coverage on Friday was excellent good to see an LOI man and Bernard Tool presented interesting to see went to college with Bernard actually gentleman back then and uh, haven't seen him in years delighted to see where one of us is progressing suggesting he's not a gentleman now <laughs> to be clear uh, yeah I, I watched it back I thought it was uh, interesting to see job. how many more they will do um, and DOF I really enjoyed every aspect of it aspect of it. the build up was fantastic it would have liked a longer post-match discussion I mean this is the thing right the, the length of the programme was actually identical to RTE in terms of the kickoff and when it went off air it just probably didn't seem as rushed now I made this point to social media last week that they didn't, they just used the LOI TV yeah. feed, but they didn't expand the version of it. There was a lot more cameras and it was like mm. flipping back and forth between cameras at times. Um, but it did allow them to, by using the LOI TV feed, it allowed them to also get the other goals from the other games, which I think was a big thing mm. uh, in the post. And it just made the post-match show better. And the, the point has been in Shilio, it does make a massive difference. And ultimately, now, like what it does show is that the FBI have given, given them this game pretty much on the cheap, right? This is effectively what it is. I can understand why RTE would be um, probably miffed that they're getting a lot of grief when they would spend like a five-figure sum on every uh, game, considerable five-figure sum on every game in the OB. Now, the counterpoint to that is that RTE do things very expensively, you know, and then they'll talk about that cost as a justification for doing X amount of games. And there is an argument, could you do it more efficiently now I know RT have looked at doing games on news now this year but that like with no build up and that's obviously I've talked about that before as a European solution I think it's one you should employ um, any any suggestion RT will learn from Virgin's kind of ability to do this cheaper well I don't know I don't know about that and that's I, I'd be surprised I'd imagine being a public broadcaster they have to do things in a certain way and, and sort of you know contracts and stuff like that so unions so I, I'd imagine that's unlikely um, I what I would say is though a lot of the, the, the kudos that Virgin got for stuff they did last week I mean that didn't cost them anything other than being smart with your social media and Absolutely. also getting content placed into the programs that you have like you have, a, you have a suite of programs or whatever you have Ireland AM which is like you know two and a half hours every morning three hours whatever it is probably looking for stuff some mornings you know do you know what I mean like getting the weather guy out there every day he goes out and he goes somewhere so like get going there it's a cross reference of promotion where do we see that in our team not that often I did Even have to the, uh, the Shells Dairy game a couple of weeks ago I wasn't sure it was on until yeah. um, on TV until like a day or two Rover Shells I did, I did uh, you'll be proud I left the, I had to go for dinner but I left the TV on in the hotel room and left like Virgin on so that it would be recorded as like in the old Nielsen ratings as not good for climate change but I left the TV on I was like I'm going to contribute to the viewing figures in the choice between climate change and League of Ireland promotion man man's got decisions to face Uh, Kevin uh, why do I take two extra days to put up first division highlights consistently far worse than Premier Division videos I'd imagine that's to do with resources resources and the the, the, the pixel lock cameras it's I'd imagine like I would say I, I 
like the, the Derry Bowes game on Monday, I watched, I like, if you if you put it on YouTube and the TV and you watch one of the highlights videos, it tends to run into the other one. Yeah, know, automatically, yeah. which is kind yeah. of good. The Derry Bowes one though, I was frustrated that, um, this is maybe the problem, like it's an official package, but the Derry Bowes highlights didn't have the Derry penalty incident and it showed the Twardek one, didn't, didn't show a replay of it. Controversial decision. Now I think it was a penalty, by the way. The one I did as well, actually. I know Rory Higgins was yeah, very down, I, I, I thought it was a penalty. Yeah, and I, I don't think the other one was a penalty, mm. but it's still a decision. It's a discussion. And uh, the highlights stuff, you know, but I, I know they're trying to turn it around quickly. So there's, there's probably two sides to it, but, you know, controversial decisions are a part of it. Stephen Reddy had a thoughts on Alan Caffrey's LinkedIn post, but possibly moving Bowes Rovers to the Aviva. Um, just made a point, it would be, you know, it'd be a real shame to lose the tribal nature of the fixture, but it's a way of chipping away at the grab from IRFU and GA of the casual fan attending big games. Look, I see the point. I think we have a culture in other sports in this country of moving games from, you know, league games to different venues and championship games to different venues. I just don't think you can do it in a league. The point is the FA Cup semi finals. Yeah. But I don't think, yeah. th- I think they'd be worried it would take away from the achievement of the big day at yeah. the Aviva. You know, could you be more creative at times? Um, have a day of fixtures or put them in different venues I, I understand the thinking but I think I think just t- clubs would be unwilling to sacrifice that um, Daryl wants to know who's the Enoch Burke of the LOI freelance beat <laughs> this was a discussion <laughs> of last week yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know about that yeah like you know just just um, someone outside the uh, do you reckon they call him Berkey I doubt it. Just outside the dressing room. Where is Dave Rogers? <laughs> we demand Dave Rogers. Where is Dave Rogers? Um, but, um, Where is Dave Rogers, uh, actually? Yeah. Harps um, uh, denying Kerry a first win. Yeah, he was on Twitter afterwards. Um, what was he saying? Um, I know, just like, you know, I think there was a bit of a discussion between Dave Rogers and Stephen Henderson on Twitter the other day about, um, uh, you know, the, the boat getting grief from their respective... Fans, it alluded to the fact that they're about getting grief from like uh, armchair critics or someone maybe the likes of us. To be fair, um, just the nine points clear going. Yeah, but, yeah. But Watford, we did have a comment as well. The Dean Burke tangent last week. You were about to go into a quite deep discussion of why you're like socially conservative, um, but liberal. That was from Aaron Rogan. Yeah, yeah. He's the new new deputy editor of the. Sun, Are, did of the you want to expand on that? Uh, I don't think we've time today, Dan. Actually, okay. Yeah, I wouldn't. We're just standing like you know nudist beaches, for example. Oh, no issue with that. The, so the, how are you socially conservative? The transgender stuff now. Oh, I'd be Jesus, a little okay. bit conservative on that. Yeah. Right. Okay. Let's move like, on. To, I, I, I'd, be, I'd be more Enoch Burke than Paul Murphy. Put it that way. That makes sense. Okay. But Paul Murphy's like is absolutely a joke. Like so, yeah. the Enoch Burke one isn't exactly where I'd be either. But maybe we'll get Enoch on the show. Will we? <laughs> Probably not. Okay, it's unlikely. Uh, I, I, I was in college around the time with Paul Murphy. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think he's a joke. Um, as well, an his, views on, his views on this. Well, that's, that's, that's your opinion. Yeah. Um, Jessica Fletcher, fan account. Only one team going at better than two points per game. Has the rest of the league improved or have the European teams gone backwards? Uh, and there's another point. Who would you want representing Ireland and Europe at the moment? I think there's probably a levelling out. I don't really... I, I think like what you've seen is probably like some of the good Dundalk players went to other clubs and they've been spread out. Then Bows have come on board and take player taken players maybe that might have gone to other clubs traditionally. Mm. So like there's been a spreading of talent around and it's probably too early to say in terms of you know what I means like UCD are probably weaker than last year, but they're not competing. Like UCD don't have a Finn Harps they can finish ahead of. Whereas last year Finn Harps were in the Premier Division. I think it's early to say, like, you know, like you know, I think come July will Pats and Dock, will you be happy enough to see them playing in Europe? You might. Like you might like to see Bowes play in Europe, but just, just form just, can change very quickly, I feel, with these teams. Very brief uh 
Ode to Bose here. Uh, 21 points. An from ode or an ode? Ode Ode to Bose. Are you just thinking of the French restaurant? Ode. O- ode. Ode. <laughs> uh, 21 points from nine games. I, don't, I think Afalabi's only scored once. Would that be right? So they haven't had a striker like banging in the goals. And they've... Seven wins and two, six points clear. I don't see them maintaining it, but it's a hell of a start. Yeah, I think, the, start. I think the big thing about Monday was that they rotated their options mm. as well. That squad depth is the big thing. That Like you talk about Seaton Docker being poleaxed by Huben being out, whereas Bowes came out forward. I keep Buckley probably hasn't been at his best. Mm. At his come in for McManus on So like, Friday. you know, so do, okay, the Polish centre-halves have been a staple, but they've rotated a lot of other positions, you know, in terms of full-back positions and, you know, various injuries at times and short-term, long-term. Coot is obviously hugely important, but he actually can play in different roles Dylan well. Conley was very good, I thought, in the first half on Friday. He caused well. problems, yeah. Now, in fairness, Rovers got the grips with things pretty mm. comfortably as well. Um, Sean Beeston, which players would go across the water this summer? And Instagram, is there a better young player in the league than Sam Curtis? Are the two questions related? I think Sam Curtis is a top-class player and would be very happy to have seen him in the league. Uh, Fergal, covered before, but used to be nearly certain to go down already and aren't offering much to the Premier. Small fan base, non-existent social media. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't have much to add. What's Sam Curtis worth, Dan? Um, well, I just hope they haven't done an agreement for a particular amount of money. They might have. Um, we'll see. Uh, Jamie P has the Pats resurgence I don't know that for sure by the mm. way um, but I'm not so sure we're going to get a bumper fee for him relative to Banquet and others I could be wrong I want to be wrong to be honest but uh, I'm not so sure Actually, sometimes uh, it's the price for getting someone to stay a bit longer I, um, I, 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 this is from me from, from me to you how far off is Farouja from possibly getting into an Ireland squad uh, I wouldn't say he's many miles away yeah. at all I wouldn't say he's many miles away at all and, and left wing back but he, well that's, that's a slight issue I suppose mm. um, it's probably one or two injuries away um, you know, McLean's gone for 100 caps, you know, in fact, the left wing back is the strongest, like Ryan Manning can't get a, can't mm. get a sniff, I know some people are clutching their pearls over that, like, you know, it's not massively surprising to me, you got Ender Stevens. it's actually a position where they have a load of options, Frazier probably has a better chance on the right wing back position, Alan Brown has a bit of an injury at the moment, um, who's your cover for Matt Doherty and Coleman, um, you know, Cyrus Christie, what will be, that's where he's got a chance, he's got more of a chance on the right than the left, to be honest, um, Jamie P, has the Pats resurgence under Clancy, uh, is it as surprising as when the whisper came back? What? <laughs> the whisper did have a, a was stunning it revival. I mean, I, I feel like it was gone. Never a massive fan of the whisper, actually. Oh, I'd be partial yeah, to the whisper. They see yeah. there's, a new, there's a new salted caramel variety now. Ooh, that sounds mm. that sounds pretty rich. I, I feel. Like, I mean, you could just take it in dark lighting and it can uh, add a bit of quality. Course, City fanatics. Um, who would your ideal top ten in the Premier Division be for next year? I will, I will say this UCD. Galway or Waterford replacing UCD I think the top 10 I would say the 10 team league I'm now even more uh, yeah, I, I for the 10 team league than before I know that it means that you're going to have I think like you, you could say it's tempting to say I want Cork and Waterford up and maybe one more you know take a Bray or whoever it might be Finn Harps or take your pick but then the first division is particularly weak and also then what comes up is going to like I think to have where's Galway in this? Are you I'm 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 promoting in the twelve team. I'm promoting Galway. Oh, a twelve team. But I'm just Sorry. saying that I actually don't think I think the first division will be so weak in that yeah, system. That's the, that's I think the it's issue. good to have a strong Galway Waterford Cork mm. in the first. As much as it's bad for them, next year's Premier Division is going to be brilliant. Whoever comes up and we used to be going down, it's going to be our best. And our you're right the, now, the, the, the crowd averages will go up 
what they are at the moment, they which will. is very high. Um, yeah, that's basically the the trust of. I'm trying to think. We've we, Bowes could Bowes or any team win the league without having to beat Rovers. Mm, you'd feel like you need to beat them at some stage. I would have thought if you were Bowes. Uh, John O'Connor has the divine got the credit. We sort of touched on the the, the squad, but I think yeah, go United. There's more coverage uh, on people not doing well than those who are doing well. That's life, though, isn't it? Yeah. That's society. Like people, go, go people, the people. You know, you look at people post a team on Twitter, like and underneath you get the negative comments. You never very rarely get people saying a oh, great team selection. You know, delighted to see he, him and it's nor well it's know. an echo chamber yeah. Go United is like routine 4 0 win in Wexford not even mentioned in the mailbag it's just yeah, like, no, I, I do think the, the Watford rally under Long and Reynolds it's going to be a title race a Pat, hell of a title Pat race Pat Dolan has called him declared Watford promoted uh, a star column to be, Watford are going to get promoted and they might even be challenging for the Premier Division soon I'm thinking Pat like do you not have some relationship with some other club could this be some kind of is your column potentially playing some kind of mind games I mean maybe it's not maybe Pat is Pat Dolan involved with Galway I, I don't, don't know do you I, I, he, 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 the, I, I've doesn't, actually doesn't work I, with John I, Caulfield does he I've been to one game this year oh, okay. which is pretty I thought pretty it was funny his column was like Waterford are going to get promoted they're clearly going to finish out of Galway of 1-7 from 7 well I'm looking if, if that's the case Pat makes Waterford happy to have you on any time so he should have like thousands and thousands of euro on them because they're clearly not favourites to win the league yeah. uh, they would be second favourites game playing, game um, playing. just on without getting into betting Shamrock Rovers have now gone strong favourites to win the league all of a sudden just like that bang bang well that is the betting um, David Watts is unhappy with the price for the away end on Friday this has um, been the same as the home this is for Pats fans going to both I think the problem is when you're restricted to 450 fans clubs will probably think okay we can you know, we can charge that price, but it's good that these things get discussed, like, you know, the bad facilities, like, you just have to keep bashing away with this stuff, um, you know, just not fit for purpose, the stadiums, um, what's that, go on about the Wi-Fi, Bose did get an engineer in to try and sort out, they're getting an engineer trying to sort out the Wi-Fi, because it wasn't working in the game last Friday, which is, uh, you know, we need everything to be top of the table standard, but people are trying at least, and the message is, is hitting home. So um, before we go on to Damien Duff and we bring on Tomas Connolly, we need to do some of our quiz business, Johnny. So our question last week was, what club was Trevor Malloy playing for um, when he um, when he was the star? It was a good of, question, Dan, actually. Of the Irish team in Malaysia. And Colin Hawkins it. actually told us that during the tournament, his theory was that Pat Dolan, who we've mentioned, he thought that he did the deal to sign Trevor Malloy on some island somewhere in Malaysia, but he was listed as an at-loan town player. So we had some wrong guesses. He may have signed for Pats during the competition, but on the books, on the register, he, the, you know, the record showed at-loan town of the player in that tournament. Who so, was uh, Trevor Malloy up front with? Um, who, who was his starting partner well, at loan at that time? Do you remember? Well, at loan? I thought you were going to say about Ireland. I'm not sure. Uh, was it Was it uh, Warren Parks, no? Terry Everson. Was it? Terry oh Everson and, and Billy Boy were up front together at Lone Town because I remember I was getting into what was it Irish football magazine that was out once Irish soccer month? magazine Irish soccer magazine does exactly what it says in the tin and in general it did and it was like <laughs> this is funny actually the headline was life begins at 40 pretty much for Terry Everson it's like look at him the old lad I'm 40 now I was looking I was talking at the Bowes Rovers game last week I was looking into the history of the clubs and players moving between them and Terry Everson moving from Bowes to Rovers was one of those contentious ones in the 80s that really brought the rivalry on along with Liam O'Brien uh, I think it was Kevin Brady, uh, Jacko McDonough, and uh, a few others. Um, actually, I should mention Jacko's been. We've had yeah. a message about Jacko McDonough yeah. from from um, uh, a recent mailbag prize winner, um, 
and uh, Jack's not doing well. We will try and raise awareness of that. There again. is a fundraiser. We'll we put that up on, on later yeah, on. We today, will. Yeah. We will. Sort of. But anyway, Terry Everson joined Bowes from over, but he didn't stay for too long. Went around the league, but my God, I couldn't believe he was still playing at forty. Because Liam Buckley was manager of that loan in the late nineties, early two thousands as well. Um, but anyway, um, listen, we we had uh, we had some good entries. It's yeah, a bad entries, but who's the winner? The winner was Irish football retweets. Was a big fan of our Ralph show. Ross. Ralph yeah, Ross is the um, winner. I think Ralph's won before, but um, yeah, we're happy he, he for gets to win um, a trip to the Rascals Brewery in Inchicore, and we'll be up there, Dan, the Maybank Holiday weekend. Hopefully, not making a show of ourselves Festivaling. on craft beer. Yeah, um, I think we'll be some sort of celebrity figures up there. Yeah, no, probably not. And well, I'd say that's unlikely. And mm. finally, we're going to go for next week's question. What's Enoch Burke doing here? <laughs> <laughs> Just waiting outside. <laughs> <laughs> Where is Dave Rogers? <laughs> anyway, this is a sort of a first division themed question. Um, so this one again, we're trying to do one that's a little bit more work. So the first first division season was in, I think it was 1985, 86. I want to have my facts right on that. But anyway. God, um, I wouldn't have had a clue about that actually. Yeah, yeah. I think it was 1985, that, that is not the question. But there are three clubs who participated in that first first division season that are currently in the premier division at the moment so can you your name questions the, are getting better can you name the clubs I, mean, I know we did with a lot of people that wanted the mystery voice back yeah can, <laughs> yeah there was there was two people who wanted it back one of them um, was me but uh yeah so there's three clubs participated in that who are currently in the premier division uh, can you name them i think people should get one easily enough but the other two um i did i did slag as well you do i enjoy, wouldn't have got this without looking yeah, at myself you do enjoy an old uh damien duff interview i think like you you have you ever been starstruck in an interview? Like no. Gen- never. No. Who is the closest? Like, who's the who's the, I like, that's like, a, That you, sounds like a very cockish uh, comment. Did you interview anyone amazingly but, like, like, I don't, high profile? Uh, um, but I probably have been in the presence of them, but it wouldn't... To me, like, that stuff wouldn't particularly... uh your job. I wouldn't be like, oh... I, I'm overwhelmed by being in the presence of this person. Like, I've never been a big person for, like, having, like, big heroes, you know. Oh, I, I idolise this person. They're on a pedestal. I think, actually... Paul McGrath, I think... But, yeah, but I think sometimes, to me, maybe it's just been a cynical hack that you, like, you work so long and you hear stories, you realise that no one is on a pedestal. Yeah, like, you, you I'd be I'd be awestruck by watching someone on a football pitch, how brilliant they are. Like, watching Luke and Roderick on a pitch, for example, to me, is incredible. But if he came into the room and was talking, was like, he's just a normal, like, you know... I think I think people have made this mistake with people like Roy Keane and stuff in the past of like putting them on this pedestal that like you know they are bestowed with some wisdom that like puts them on a different level to normal mortal beings and like it's not true you know and you realize you, you maybe when you're younger you think that and then you talk about people who've been in their dressing rooms and you realize no so in their presence you wouldn't be like oh my god you know, no, but oh Roy God. Keane does have that. Um, he has an amazing aura. He aura like he, like he, I yeah. spent. Like I, had a, sure I had a whole. Him, I had a whole. I sat next to him for like a yeah. three-hour dinner a couple of years mm. back, and like he was great company. Asking about the League of Ireland stuff like that, but I wouldn't. I don't know. Maybe it's just a thing about work. It's not a good thing, like to be going into your working life, sort of thinking, "Oh my God," you know. It's like it's just not. It's not healthy. Like it's not healthy at all. So no, I wouldn't be. I know, anyway, I know your point is that I, no, I chuckle. No, 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 Dan is like just so obsequious here. Well, I mean, he's, he's also in good form because they've kind of fluked a win over Sligo. Yeah, we haven't really so, spoken about that game. I was at it. Like, yeah. I mean, that was actually a good game of football. I didn't, I didn't have high expectations for that game on the basis of probably seeing shells against a couple of the top side shut down. But there was actually quite an entertaining game, and Sligo Rovers were actually good. Oh, Sligo, they, good side, they, yeah. they were good in the first half. John Russell and I had played in the second half. John. Mann- 
man, I, just, I feel I feel some sympathy for him here because it's a bit of a mix-up in com- communication, but he's had some bad moments in the first quarter of games. He's obviously gotten sent off, probably should have gotten sent off from Brandywell. Um, I felt sorry for him here, Dan. Yeah, well, you know what they say, like, you never go back sometimes, mm. and, and um, I don't know, that's why we all came together very quickly. Now, I'm sure there's time for it to turn around as well, too, and it's like he was bad for that goal. The more you watch it, the more you think it was an unusual action by him. Like, Nicholas mm. slip, not great, but... The blame game, I think, is more towards Matt. But anyway, um, yes, afterwards, and myself, and, and in the company of Paul Butner, I should say, um, I did get to speak to Damien Duff. And the last question uh, will lead us in to our next guest. Game of two halves, even the first half, you could say it was a game of t- two halves. We started off really well, 10, 15 minutes, cold. Uh, and uh, could have been tuning up, didn't take our chances, Sligo edge back into the game, more with our poor play I think then listen they do have top players but um, but no listen yeah I think we deserved the win made a bit of luck obviously with the second goal but couldn't be any prouder of the lads you said you said after the game on Friday like you didn't even need to speak to the players sort of went unsaid in the sense that they knew it was disappointing what was the weekend like though what was the uh, it's, uh, it's the first result I've took home I think I've been extremely good with my wife and my kids and I've never took even the poor ones home with me I've always been fine but that hurt me. Uh, I was really, really angry, and I had to pull my wife Elaine on Saturday and said, "Apologies if I'm, uh, you know, a bit on edge today, but I'm still not happy." So, uh, like I said, it's the first time that I've done that. It's the first time I haven't spoken to him after a game because, listen, I probably said things at half time that I regret. Uh, so if I went and spoke to him at full time, I'd probably really regret them. So uh, it hurt me, just not because of a point against UCD here I'll take that and let's go it was the performance and the manner of the performance and uh, it's not a, a team over that fucking I knew it wasn't our team it wasn't a Shelburne team not a great Easter weekend then at home uh, listen here you soon have to get around it, uh, mm. uh, over it but uh, no, it wasn't listen it's, it's my life I told him that before the game I said this isn't a job to me so apologies if I'm you know hard and what have you but um I love feels I hate you. Uh, they know that, and I'm sure it's very reciprocal. They feel the same about me. They love me some days, they hate me other days. But uh, that was a hard one to take. Again, not because of the point against UCD, it was because it was a team and a performance and in every way that I did not like. And the fans didn't like and That hurt me as well because... Uh, it's never nice to see. What about halftime tonight? You like you changed the wing backs. You, you know, you've tra- travel switch, which isn't, you know, that that's obviously a, a big thing to do. I mean, what was your thinking and what was the sort of halftime chat? Uh, no, it was calm. Here, listen, I'm still working on being calm. I wasn't on uh, Friday night. We're one 0 down tonight, and uh, I'd like to think I was very calm. But now it was 30, 35 minutes. I thought, no, this is going to happen. Three subs, um, come on, affect the game, bring energy, spark, a bit of personality. And for me, it was all about staying calm and um, them bringing their quality. I think when we did play tonight, especially in the first half, the first 10, 15, we played through them, we created chances. We came back out. Uh, and I think there was a different change of energy, everything belief. And it was a brilliant, brilliant win against one of the you know really good sides in the league with top, top players that he's uh, brought in. What do you make of the league generally? I mean, clearly you wouldn't be tracking this, but at halftime, I think you're down to... Eight or nine, you're full time. You're in the top half. Like it's unbelievably congested in there. Like you, you think it's going to take a while to sort of for that pecking yeah. order to develop, or what do you I reckon? Don't maybe think so. Listen, you're the expert. 
If you're going home that. to do your podcast tonight. Uh, <laughs> but um, now, listen, we had it written on the board tonight. It was third versus eight, and we beat them. We go into both yeah. them. So it's. I think it happened maybe two years ago. Did it? There was that mid table. I think last year there was definitely a, you know, a gap that opened up. I, I can't see it this year. I'm hoping we're in the mix. That's the plan. Uh, but I just think everyone's going to beat each other and. You know, we could have been bloody eight or nine tonight and then we jumped to fifth. So regardless of where you are positionally, I think it's always just about staying calm uh, where you are in the league because there's going to be so many twos and fro's uh, this season. And do you think as a group, I mean, even the last couple of minutes, even just managing the game at times, you, like you had chances to kill it. Are they still sort of learning as a group in terms of seeing out those For sure. opportunities? I mean, listen, it's strange. You see some young boys, Caelan Barlow, 17, 18, he is the dark arts, he'll dive, he'll do this and that, um, which I love, it's part of the game, dark arts. I should say, we probably still don't have that, there's a bit of a naivety about us. Uh, McGonagall last week, here, played it well, gets Paddy sent off. Do we do that? Possibly not. Do I ask him to maybe be a bit less naive? Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, even running to take a corner with five minutes left. <laughs> Why would you run? Um, so yeah, it's, I guess it comes with time and experience and we can help them somewhat. But uh, yeah, they're, listen, they're an amazing group. I hammered them on Friday in public to them uh, personally. But regardless, like I said, I love working with them and it's as simple as that. Just finally, I'm not trying to get you back into trouble, but did you get any feedback to your comments on referees that time from above? Was there any phone calls or discussions uh, afterwards? No, no. Uh, I know it's a fine line how you speak to the media afterwards and I probably thread it but when I look back at it I was quick to look back at it afterwards um, I think I was calm doing the interview I didn't see it and that warranted a ban you might tell me different I'm not suggesting there was uh, going to be no, a ban I didn't. it generated a debate as you know like it's sort well of, it should yeah. uh, it absolutely should um, and a debate will go on for a long time to come so and the debate was there before I spoke but I think sometimes people need to speak and uh, here it's me people are probably saying Duffer shut up but um, when it costs you points and red cards and what have you I'm going to pipe up so uh, the debate will rage on uh, but I didn't say anything untoward I don't think Thanks to Damien Duffer uh, referencing the podcaster as well and uh, talking about his comments um, lately after the Derry game. Tomás Connolly, you join us. It's a good time. Uh, how are you keeping? I'm keeping very well. Thanks, Johnny. Tell us what you're doing nowadays. Actually, people will... We'll we get a snap out of social media. People will immediately recognise you from your refereeing days. Oh, I don't think so. I put think a, they will. Yeah, well, yeah. Like you're, you, I mean, how would you describe yourself? You're like ex League of Ireland referee. You were the head of the the like allocation here. Yeah. Like, how would you describe yourself? <laughs> you were like, the, Steve, don't, don't put that in. Don't put that in. <laughs> keep keep, um, keep the refereeing out. <laughs> you were the head of the allocations, which is like you were basically you were in ch- heading up the League of Ireland referee section until last the end of last season, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you're still an assessor at the moment. Yeah, I'm I, I refereeing in the league from 2000 and. 2001, 2002 till August 2019 and then went into the role of allocations officer uh, which fundamentally basically just did the appointments but was responsible for the running of the elite referees panel in conjunction with some colleagues. Um, so that's my involvement since, like I'm involved in refereeing since 1998, mm. uh, League of Ireland 2001, 2002 and still involved and now I've 
gone complete dark side, as the the, the referees would say, and I've gone referee observing. Observing. So, so yeah. you are now, like, you know, one game a week or whatever? Depends. Depending yeah, on your availability, depends I suppose. Depends on availability, yeah. yeah. So you're you, assigned to a game and you, you go watch the game and observe the match. You assess the refs. And yeah, was, yeah. How come you ended up leaving the role at the end of last season? Was just reached a point where... Well, when, when I went into the role uh, in August 2019, it was a part-time, it was a part-time gig, right? There was no, was, there was no full-time role. And I'd always, I'd always personally been of the opinion that it should be a full-time role. And in fairness, it's, it's gone full-time. The role has gone full-time. Okay. And... You know, I wasn't in a position, I'm not saying I would have got the job <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I wasn't in a position to, 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 to forder it as a full-time full -time, uh, role. For oh, me. okay, that's fair enough. Um, I mean, like, okay, so every week we have comments about referees from managers, from, from you know, not so much players, I suppose, more so managers and, and pundits um, and listeners. Like, I mean, even just this week, we didn't, we didn't announce that you were coming on. But look, we have our mailbag uh, question, and there was lots of different comments about, you know, specific decisions, which I know you can't really go into, um, you know, individual specific decisions, just given your, your current role. But in, in general terms, um, so, you know, uh, Eric Dunnigan was talking about, um, linesman seems to do nothing but wait for the referees to make decisions for them, uh, making a reference to a Joe Redmond header the other night. Didn't go over the player in front, but the ref gives a free kick on the yellow card, make it make sense. Okay, that's more specific. But we had a Niall O'Turisk um, with high-profile managers like Duff criticising referees. Is it now a free-for-all for managers to take shots at and try to intimidate referees? I'm thinking specifically of Higgins, Murray Higgins, strongly criticising Neil, Neil Doyle last night, even though it was clearly a pen. Uh, would it ban uh, deter people? I'm not so sure about going down the road of that bans. But anyway, that is, that is the point. And Fergal Kavanagh does say, constant ref bashing by managers is boring. Majority of controversial decisions have been open for debate. Connolly, Benson, Rovers, Reds. And if one manager says it is and the other says it isn't, what about the players diving? Is that unacceptable? And he does say, does say that Duff should have got a ban. So, look, we have lots of individual comments complaining about the Derry, uh, the draw descending off in Derry, and I know that one's even as contentious. Um, but just generally, right? I'm speaking, speaking very generally with you here. Like, how do you feel when refereeing performance is such a hot topic? And, and Damien Duff, for example, is on you know, national TV. That clip had 80, 90, 100,000 views in a short space of time talking about refereeing standards. How, does that, how do you rea react to that? Well, you know, you know, people have various opinions about this, that and the other in relation to the game or in relation to how stuff should run. But any, any decision a referee makes or any decision an official makes is based on law. Okay, and whilst people may not understand that law or they may not have an interpretation of that law, the referee, all his decisions are based on law. So they can have an opinion about what they think should happen and what should have happened and what doesn't happen, but it may not be correct. Now, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Um, you know, the, the notion that the standard of refereeing in the League of Ireland is this, that, or the other, I, I disagree with because, you know, if I'm refereeing at elite level, Okay, and I'm an elite referee. I go through a rigorous process to be at that level. There's dedicated people that work hard. You know, I think there are eight clubs in the Premier Division are full-time. This is an important point to make, and then mm. two in the First Division. You know, no, no referee in this country is a full-time professional referee. Um, you know, they go through rigorous testing, fitness testing, laws of the game testing. Two weeks ago, we had a laws of the game test, you know, as observers. You know, we were all brought in as a development day. So it's not just a case where... A referee shows up, does a game, goes home, throws his gear in under the stairs and sits there for the week. There are processes around all of this. In the same way, 
that you know managers coach their players and involve their players and develop their players. The same thing happens in refereeing. So, you know, I would argue that you know if the standard of refereeing in this league is so bad, or people are in, intimating that it is, you know, well, have a look at the games we get in Europe. You know, we get international appointments, we get Champions League appointments, we get. Europa League appointments. The Conference League has expanded, which means there's a need for more refereeing. How are we doing on that front at the moment? Because, I mean, <coughs> it, it hasn't been... I suppose Alan Kelly was very much a flagship referee and, and was doing very well. I'm like, how many international games have we done in the last 12 to 18 months? The top of my head, I couldn't tell you. you yeah. know, I, I, wouldn't, I, I don't want to throw out a figure, but we do get international appointments. If you look at Michelle O'Neill... Mm. who has been in the environment of the League of Ireland for a number of years. She's gone to the World Cup. She's done the World Cup final. She's done the Super Cup final. Uh, if I could throw out Damien McGrath, who went to the Euros with Scottish referees, but he went to the Euros, he did the Super Cup, and he's transitioned into refereeing as well. So, you know, is everything perfect? Uh, you know, no. Can there be continuous improvement? Yes. Do people make mistakes? Referees do get stuff wrong. But here's, here's an interesting statistic that the PGMOL threw out a couple of years ago. How many times in a game would you say a, a player touches a football? Just as a ballpark. Average player touches I'm, I'm thinking at that time yeah. Erling Haaland touched the ball three, three yeah. times and, and a half and recently. Scored. <laughs> <But> 40 maybe? <laughs> 90 times. Right. 90 times is what the PGML say, right? How many decisions would a referee make in a game? Oh God, I'm thinking... I'm thinking, well, decision as in one where you take an action. Where you well, actually no, take no, an action. Well, you can take action. Some, sometimes a decision is not... Is not you're, taking, you're, still, you're still making a decision. If you don't thinking, give a free kick, you're still making the decision I'm not thinking, to give a free kick. Including when the ball three, goes out of play or anything. Three or four a minute, presumably. Would it be? That's not too far away. 250 day, right? Yeah. Right, 250 So two a minute and a bit. So yeah. what, what, we're focusing on, you know, maybe one critical incident... You could get, it's the same as a goalkeeper. A goalkeeper can save five penalties in a match and drop one ball and he's castigated. So the more, you know, referees do make errors, you know, but by the same token, players make errors, mm. coaches make errors, and and that's the reality of the game. There are a number of variables in the game and refereeing is one of them. Now, you try and keep them to a minimum, but, you know, we do get things wrong, but by and large... Every, the, the major decisions are correct. If you look back, the major decisions are correct. When you when you when you have two lads who are disputing the ball going out for a corner, one saying putting up his hand for a corner, one saying that's a goal kick. One of them clearly knows he's he's not being honest here, right? What what was always annoying me throughout the years is um, you've managers, players, fans, and everyone else trying to influence the referee, often knowing that this is the wrong thing to do, but then giving out about the referee. So how can you at one level um, give out about referees despite the fact that you know that you're calling for something here that did not happen? Uh, so I, I don't get that. I, I, I don't know. I work with a guy um, in my normal job, snooker player, right? High-level snooker player. And he just says, I don't get football because it's blatant that it's a throw into team A, but yet the guy in team B puts a hand up. Um, he said, if I touch the cue ball, I'll put my hand up and say mm. I failed. You, know, you don't get a player doing that because it's fine margins. And the higher level you go, it's fine margins. And if they try to influence, they may think they're trying to influence. But, you know, the referees are quite focused. I, I was minded of an article that Dan wrote back in, I completely forgotten about this, looked up this morning, back in 2021, which spoke about a, essentially a relationship breakdown. Um, I think that would be a lot of the issues that managers have that they, they don't feel like they have a recourse to kind of have a have a normal conversation with referees at times where they can air grievances and get a kind of an answer back in a, in a kind of an honest way. Well, 
are you talking? What are you talking? You're talking in a specific situation at a match, or are you? Well, talking I think yeah. Overall, I, well, this because, is what I'm curious about because there are mechanisms. Mm. You know, if a manager has a disagreement, or if anybody has a disagreement, you know, th- there's no problem as a, as a forward. I'm going back to my time, right? As a forward official, you know, a manager questioning a decision or you know having a chat with you, you know, no problem. But like the game has evolved and the laws have changed in relation to that. So you know, if a manager is stepping over the top or a coach. They can now receive red and yellow cards. Back in the day, a few years ago, they couldn't. You know, all you could do was remove them or not. So it was a little bit easier for me back in the day. But because there, there are item, not itemized, but there are, you know, situations where a manager can now be cautioned. You know, it brings it to a different level. But often, how many times have you heard people say, "It's not what you say; it's how you say it." You know. So if you were working in a job, right? And someone came in to you and put their finger in your face and said, you're the greatest this, that, and the other, and that's the same. What would you do? You'd be straight into HR. You know, but because it's a football scenario, is this acceptable? No, it's not. So it's, we have to look at the behaviours. You know, the behaviours. There's no problem questioning the decision, but there are mechanisms for coaches and managers to pick up the phone. Fellas have picked up the phone to me and had, you know, forthright discussions, and we may agree to disagree, but there are mechanisms there outside of the side of a pitch or or, or or a media interview to to, to air grievances. I was going to ask you about that. Like when you were in your, your sort of previous role, like how much contact, because Johnny is right. I, I did that piece at the time and, and I would have spoken to a lot of people and there would have been a sense that the relationship between, for whatever reason, the relationship between referees and say players and managers today or in 2021 was very different when you go back maybe 15, 20 years in time. When it was maybe a different league in some ways, it was a bit more of a convivial league. Um, you know, the, the culture around the league would have been different. And I, I think the relationship between refs and players would be quite almost chummy at times. I don't get that sense that that well, would exist now at the moment. Well, funnily I'm not enough, saying that. I'm not saying which is better, yeah, by yeah. the way. But funnily enough, like when, when, I'm sure when I started refereeing the league, right, or, or, or was being developed and started at the underage and I was in the first division and whatnot, that there were managers that said, oh, geez, you can't talk to him. And that the referees weren't accountable for their performances. They were accountable for their performances and they are accountable to the league, to the stakeholders. Like when you look at it, it's, it's all our game. We're all stakeholders in the game. It's a great product. You know, numbers are through the roof at the minute for attendances. You know, you can't get into a League of Ireland ground. So it's, we're all part of the same, same family of, you know, progressing the game. But, you know, referees a couple of years ago did get you know, there was a few weeks there where they did get a bit of a hammer, you know, some of it, some some of it completely off the wall. But, you know, when you're talking about media, people talking about mediation and all this sort of, you know, stuff, and it just boils down to behaviour. You know, that's all it is. It's only behaviour and respect. And that's it. I think, um, I mean, I go back to the point about the panel. Um, because, for example, again, people not, may not be aware of this. There was changes even over the winter in terms of the referees signing contracts with the FBI, which is a bit of a change. Um, things have been tightened up. And I would, like, I, I would have been writing about this a couple of weeks ago and would have been chatting to people. Like, I think there would be an acknowledgement there's been changes on the panel in recent years. Like, some, some experienced referees have left. Like, Arnold Hunter has come in this year um, from the IFA. He's come in and, and gone onto the list. Um, and there's some new names. Probably people are trying to integrate them. But there would be a view that, that I've sort of had from people who would speak privately that, like, yeah, maybe there's been changes in, and the talent pool and even the, the production line coming through um wouldn't be as strong as people would like and part of it people would say is maybe it's just not as appealing 
a gig as it would be as it previously was, what would you say? Well, you know, part of the reason that it's not as appealing, okay, so if you're sitting watching TV, watching a game, right, and you're thinking, you know, if you look at our game, it's expanding from grassroots up, it's expanding girls' football in particular out the door. So these games need to be staffed with referees. So if I'm watching a TV match and then a comment comes on, oh, geez, the standard of refereeing in Ireland is terrible or this or that or the other, whatever the comment may be, now, I haven't heard him recently, but, you know, whatever the comment may be, I'm, I'm going to sit there and kind of go, just why would I get involved in that? You know, so that's that's one aspect of, of the negativity uh, portrayed at refereeing. Um, you know, the, the panel evolves. It's the same as any other panel. There are certain times where there are certain people involved. Same as a club. So if you're playing for a club and after three or four years there needs to be a change of personnel or a change of you know, staff for whatever reason. You know, one of the reasons I, I went, I, I'd said when I was going to go into the, the job, I'd do it for three seasons. Now, as it happened, two of them were COVID, you mm. know, which was a difficult time for, for referees, you know, going to games and trying to stay connected. And um, Because there is a team, you know, and a camaraderie among referees, the same way there is with, with, with a football club, with, with, with players, you know, playing together. Referees are the same, travelling to matches the whole lot. So, you know, to answer the, the question, kind of, there is... There are times where you need to develop people and bring people through, but you can't just pick someone up off the street that referees in the DDSL and throw them into a Bowles Rovers match. You know, no more than you can do that with a player. So by the same way that players are developed, referees have to be developed. And the trouble with refereeing, I've had this discussion with some very good managers in the League of Ireland, is that you can't practice refereeing. Mm. You know, I can set up a training session with kids, defenders against attackers, and see what happens. You can't do that with refereeing at elite level. You can look at all the clips you like, or you can look at all the information or you can look at all the matches you want but until you're in the middle of a game you know you cannot develop as a referee so is there is there a slight <laughs> reliance on a small number of top referees at the moment then? no I, dis- I disagree with that because there are we have a we have a, a number of uh, fifa referees who would expect to be made on top appointments mm. you know where you know you're looking for talent, but you have, once you identify talent, you have to develop it. And there are pathways there, and there are very good pathways, even from grassroots all the way up, from beginner courses right the way up, there are pathways, and they are developing pathways. It's funny, you mentioned uh, Paddy Daly. Paddy's daughter would have uh, been refereeing games I was involved in years ago, and it's funny, um, just remembering the characters that you met, you know, the, the anecdotally, like... They'll flog the priests all around the parishes now because there aren't enough priests to, to say masses and they're overworked. Referees from the bottom up, what are the numbers like? Uh, how difficult um, is it? Because you mentioned all those, the girls playing now as well. There are so many more games. I think, right, the, the, the last figures I heard, uh, and I'm not sure, I was going to say don't quote me, but we're, mm. we're talking. Um, it's there are around 1,600 registered referees in the country. right Now, ideally what you want is a ratio of two to one, right? Two clubs for every referee. Is that going to happen? No. But there are great opportunities there for ex-players to do it. You know, even ex-League of Ireland players, some of them have done the course. Um, but I would challenge anyone that hasn't done it to, to go and do a laws of the game test, do a fitness test and referee one match mm. and see how it goes. There, there, we are crying out for referees. There are pathways. It's a very rewarding career. I went refereeing at 27, okay? Had I known of the pathway for refereeing at the time, I'd have done it at 16, 17. Wow. Good friend of mine, I was at school, but grew up with. Um, he got to FIFA level. He went refereeing at 16, and I ribbed him. Oh, refereeing, you should be playing, you should be this. I was playing football for St. John Bosco. He was refereeing matches in Spain. Who was right. that? Uh, Ian Stokes. Oh, okay. Mm. Who's, now, who's now taken over? Who's now, who's now taken yeah, mm. yeah, you know, like I'm kicking the ball around Ben Madigan Road. He's off in Spain. Go figure. What's it like, um, sorry, what's it like from 
We'll say the, the, the Damien Duff incident that, that was obviously highlighted by TV, Paul McLaughlin was the referee that night. Stephen Instant, the Wexford goal again the other night, where one of the Wexford players uses a load of emojis to call out a decision by a referee on social media. I, 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 what's it like for the referee to have to deal with that? Because nobody really cares. Okay, I can speak personally on that. I can speak personally on that, right? Referees have jobs. They have wives, partners, boyfriends, girlfriends, kids... You know, a couple of years ago, one of our referees had a, he had a poor game. My boy's on a mission, had a poor game. So I give him the call and what's going on with you? See, I lost my job on Friday, the day of the match. Nobody knows any of this stuff, you know. So it does have an impact. Uh, the time I called off the Bowles Rovers game, infamously, mm. in 20, 2014, still talked about. We went on holidays the week after. Uh, my daughter, who was 17, 16, nine years, she, was five, she took the iPad and the phone off me. So people don't see this this side of it, you know. It's very easy for a... The daughter a, taking the iPad off the dad, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the irony of it. Um, but when you look at, when you, you know, there are humans behind this, you know, and we, we've all heard the term, the keyboard warrior. You know, it's very easy just to sit there and type a pile of stuff anonymously. We've all been victims of it. But it does, it does have an effect. You know, it's, it's, I think somebody... One of the managers during the week was talking about, you know, when he went home and apologised because he was, you know... It's Damien Duff. He was on edge after enough, a game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was on edge. It's the exact same for referees. And a referee knows if something's gone wrong. But, like, I mean, you can, you can watch a game and a referee plays a super advantage. No one notices that. Nobody yeah, there was, and there was they one last week, they actually. Don't, yeah. They don't notice the, 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 the game management. They don't notice the control. They don't notice any of this stuff. You know, the ordinary part. But, you know, and, it's, and by the same token... I wouldn't notice how someone is coaching. I wouldn't know the first thing about it. Can, can I ask you, I mean, the Bowes Rovers one, and I'm not going go. I'm not going on that road. No, no. It's, that's I people, don't that's even me. remember that, actually. Do you remember the penalty spot in uh, Daily Mount? Was, penalty, penalty mark. The penalty mark was, was penalty sunk. Mark. I remember, being out, oh, yeah, remember yeah. being out on the pitch actually taking a photo of it because we were just allowed to wander onto the pitch to take a photo with us. But the one thing I will say about that is you were actually gave an interview that night because um, uh, it was such a story. Would you welcome the idea of referees speaking after games? Because I know you don't want to speak about specific incidents, but um, there was a Derry, Derry draw to one last week where the Adabayega sending off was controversial. Now, And again, divisive, Dan. Again, divisive, and I, I actually, I understand, I think people would produce the rules of the game and would make an argument as to why that actually was a red card. But then there's a question, well, was that a red card for that or was it a last man incident? And sometimes these little grey areas, the idea of a ref coming out and explaining, but I'm guessing... Like there's 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 protocol with that that I, well, I know there's protocol with that, but I'm guessing I'm saying, would you ever have welcomed the opportunity yourself to speak, or are are you in danger of being heat at the moment too as a referee? Well, like if you come you come out of you come out of a, a game straight away. Like if, if I go observing a match, right? I can watch a match and make as many notes as I want in the game, right? So last Friday I was observing a game. Saturday morning I get up, I watch the game again. You know, looking for certain instances or certain things, right? If I've come off a match as a referee, personally, um, you know, everybody's up to high dough after a game. You know, there, there's emotion in it. You know, you can see by people's interviews straight after matches that they're emotional and passionate and all these words. Um, so for me, personally, I wouldn't welcome talking to the media. My experience of talking to the media that night was not a pleasant one, mm. to be perfectly honest. Um, That's twice, so. why so, yeah. Well, the way that the interview was edited... Right. Interesting. The interview, the interview was edited in such a way that it portrayed a certain narrative, but that was not the narrative that was discussed. Right. 
So bloody journalist. Yeah, <laughs> I actually Everything. genuinely can't remember the specifics. Oh, that, I, 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 you, I'm sure you do. You can tell me after. Yeah. And I just want to discuss it now, but uh, probably not going to uh, over that uh, road. No, again. no. Well, we've gone down that road of penalty marks and the centre of the pitch and and, and the whole lot. But I, I, you know, I, I don't agree with speaking straight after a match. You know, so if you you know if you come out, why did you give this? Why did you give that? Why did you give the other? You know, okay. Well, then we can flip that. We can bring out the player and say, why did you do that tackle? Why did this happen? Why did you make that substitution? You know, you know. I do believe sometimes that you know, I, like when I was in the role of Ali, I was a little bit frustrated a couple of times on a personal level that I couldn't, you know, like everything in refereeing comes back to law, right? If you have an understanding of the law, well, then you can go, oh, okay, fair enough. Do you know what I mean? I'm not suggesting that nobody has an, uh, an understanding of the law, but from the perspective of applying that law and interpreting that law, if it's supportable in law. Well then, it's fine. There was, uh, yeah, I remember that it was Shamrock was bowls last year. I think it was Finnerty was sent off for what was deemed to be um, a kind of a last man tackle. There was a lot of controversy on it. I actually thought it was a red card, but I do remember texting Paul McLaughlin after the game, and he he basically said, "To be honest, I'm not sure, not sure if I got that right or not." And I'd like a referee to. I think look, if a referee came out after a game and said, "Yeah, that one was a tough one," I, I'd have to look back. I'm not really sure. I'd actually think people would respect that. Yeah. I, one hundred percent. I've I've done games, right? I've done games. I gave I did a game up in Rovers, a few Rovers Pats, right? And I'm looking at an incident and I'm saying, penalty kick. As soon as I give that penalty kick, I know it's not a penalty kick. Mm. I know it's not. And in the heel of the hunt we got to the right decision. But I think you get far more I, I found in my career as a referee you got far more. Like I I did I, I did a game in Dundalk Dundalk and Sligo and I was terrible. What's hundred percent? Just had terrible. a bad night. Yeah, just one of those nights. Um, but the unfortunate thing is, if I have a bad night, it has a huge mm. repercussion. Right? So I had a bad night. Um, Paul Cook, the manager of Sligo, went to town on me, and you know publicly had, or to your face? No, no, not to me. You yeah. know, you, you know. The next week, uh, where am I? I'm up in Rovers. Rovers are playing who? Sligo. I'm standing as fourth official. Oh, Jesus, I have to stand beside this guy. He came up to me and he apologised for his behaviour and said, look, I was over the top. And I said, look, I was shit. And that was it. Mm. That feels I, like that, that's a healthy communication, it's, it's, but it's, it doesn't happen a lot. Well, I, I don't know whether it does or it doesn't. It feels doesn't. like it doesn't, well, for whatever reason. Well, it can feel like it doesn't, but we mm. don't know what's what's going on. Like, I've often... Like, if you go to do a game in Inchicore, I'm from Inchicore, right? That had huge pressures on me. Right? I used to go to do a match in Inchicore and I'd drop into my mum's for a cup of tea because you'd have to get across the city early, right? And she'd say to me, are you refereeing or are you fort? And I'd say, I'm refereeing. And her exact answer would be, for fuck's sake, I can't go to the shops tomorrow. <laughs> right, so, yeah. so whatever about, you know, me chasing the dream, that there's impacts for other people. But, you know, you'd walk into Inchicore having, you know, made it a, a, a bad decision the week before. And you come down the steps and you pass the players and you go up to the players and say, look, hands up. You get more for that than yeah. yeah. I I think I have two more and um, just for finish up one one is that like you look at the the World Cup being used as a guinea pig for uh, ex, for injury time, which I found utterly bizarre. Our Premier Tournament has like and like just think of the repercussions for everything from um, the result to betting to everything. Like nobody knew about this or I didn't anyway. Then that's gone. But like just the difference between if you remember the tackle on Evan Ferguson in the Liverpool game, which they looked at back in VAR and nothing happened. They've gone, in, in England, they seem to have gone like very much inside of leniency where I think Dan referenced Man City, Liverpool, where there were like two yellow cards and the Irish game... In the, in the first half. In the, the first, first half. half. And yeah. the Irish game has like... 
um, a lot of yellow cards for people on the bench, a lot of yellow cards in the in the game. Why is Ireland being refereed differently to Premier League? And this, uh, obviously, the well, Premier League is always the example. Boy. And the stats on that, just for people, at the start of the season, and I don't know the start of the season, but I think the average uh, Premier Division cards was five per game here. And in the Premier League, more matches, etc. You know, but there was uh, something like 3.7. Now, I know people would say that the Irish average is actually, st- in, in Europe, might fall into mid-table, but for whatever reason, Ireland does have a higher number of yellow cards in England and Scotland, who we would view as culturally similar in some way in terms of style. So, and do you watch well, games in England and well, say, I, like, how did VAR not notice that that's a blatant foul, for example? I, I wouldn't consider myself culturally aligned to England, for a start. <laughs> but anyway, we're not going to know. But, um, you know, and, and the other thing is, if I, was, if I was still refereeing, the average would be much higher. So Really? Mm. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. But no, look, um, I don't think it's fair to compare the Irish League with the English Premier League, which is, you know, millions of investment and this and the other. I'm not aware of what directives they issue in England, Mm. right? I'm not aware of whether they say to be lenient on certain things or to whether to be hard on certain things. The same with Scotland. I I watched the the Scotland, or the Celtic Rangers, bits of it. That's a game I would like to referee. You know, that's kickballing and... That's the whole thing, but you know, so we don't know what what's behind the scenes in these these countries. We can only legislate for our own. So if you look at again, look at the stats up until today, I think we have two hundred twenty five yellow cards. Right, that's an average of five a game for nine rounds of games in the Premier. If you look at, I think it's Spain is five point zero eight, Switzerland is four point nine three, Portugal is five point five five. Interestingly enough, I just looked at this morning, the Syria A and Syria B. Syria is 4.71 and Syria B is 5.29. Mm. So if you average across their two divisions, two top divisions, they're mm. five yellow cards. So, you know, I can understand the start of the season, maybe there is an inclination to be a higher. Like there was a comparison made to last year, an overall comparison. Now that's an overall comparison, but like if you want to make a proper comparison, they're not the same fixtures. They're not the same players, they're not the same referees, they're not the same instances. You know, we can look at a, an overall figure. Yeah, I did a comparison of it at this time last yeah. year, though. Yeah. It was higher. Like, you know... Yeah, well... The, yeah, well and, and also, there was more of a spread this year. Last year, there was one or two clubs that were, yeah. uh, you know, considerably yeah, but, ahead of the others. You yeah, know, but, it's been spread but, around but a bit you, this you're year. You're also including managers in that as well. You know, mm. but a couple of years ago, you wouldn't have the opportunity to yellow card a manager or a coach. Ali Horgan was the most booked player in the Premier in the first Wait. division there a few weeks ago. I yeah. wouldn't have known that. The other one I had, and I did have a very, very... Tons, he hasn't quite finished that point. Sorry, just in terms of the where it sits in terms of the averages, but like, yeah, like it, I mean, it's you, saying that though there is. I mean, there was a view, and there is a view that does exist, and it's been said to me. And I know referees can't speak publicly. So it was like, oh, who's speaking? You know, but for example, this new ref pal assessment tool has come in this year. I know you well, would say that it, there always has been assessment, but there's been a more. And I've I've spoke to people at the FBI. They would say, well, we're trying to professionalize things a little bit more, and there seems to be a view in refereeing circles that from some referees anyway feel that they have to sort of they have to be pretty strict in terms of the yellow card applications because otherwise there's a danger that their failure to reward a yellow card in a situation will be pulled up and and be the subject to a discussion and that's what they feel like you can't maybe let things go that might be let go elsewhere i'm putting that directly to you um you know, referees can, can, can have feelings about these things and opinions about things. I certainly haven't, not, that has certainly not been communicated to me either as an observer or 
when I was doing the role that they didn't feel that they or they felt that they had to to punish things. But there are certain mandatory yellow cards within law that must be applied. Now coming back to the ref pal situation, like we're 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 trying to improve standards and improve the league and improve refereeing where we can. You know, we're all you know, anyone's involved in governance will know continuous improvement, you know, step by step by step. So, you know, the teams have I think they have Huddle, is it? Huddle or Wisco? Well, yeah, yeah, they've yeah, they, they they have various they, tools. Yeah, yeah, they have yeah. Their, their various analysis tools. So we have RefPal. Now, RefPal doesn't issue a directive and say this is a yellow card or this is a red card or this is a certain situation. All RefPal is is a set of clips or a set of matches with certain uh, incidents in them that we discuss. UEFA do exactly the same thing. So if you're involved with UEFA... um. On uh, you know a referee instructor for UEFA, which the majority of us have, um, and you and you go and you you do that. They show a number of clips, and there's a consensus brought together around these clips. Champions League games, like it happens at all levels. So they'll send those clips out to the to the European National Association and say, if this incident happens, this is what the expected outcome is. Now, RefPal just looks at clips and says, what do we think of these challenges? It's not telling people every week this is a red card or this is a yellow card. You know, people are talking about consistency and wanting the same every week, which is very difficult, you know, because it's subjective at times. You know, it's not a case of ball in play, ball out play that everyone can see. Um, so RefPal is it's just an educational tool, a development tool to analyze games. But is it very, like, is there context to that? Like, I mean, you, you'll see obviously at times, and this is probably the, the common sense element of refereeing, right, that, you know, you'll have a player on a yellow who might commit a foul and there's an element of, okay, what, everyone in the stadium sort of knows it's one more and you're gone. You know, there's a sort of a, you know, there's almost a pass. I think there was a game with Matty Smith on, on Monday. Again, I'm not talking, you know, he can't talk specifics, yeah, yeah. but he, he was booked. He committed a foul that I think if he hadn't been booked, it might have been, um, you know, a first yellow, but I think most people are like, it was good. I felt it was good refereeing because it was like, he doesn't need two yellows in the first 50 minutes of a game. And there was a sort of an element of, okay, but, but I'm thinking that incident coldly put in a clip, watched in isolation, someone might think, well, that's a yellow card offence. Exactly. And, you know, you know, that is, that is important that the context of, I've refereed games where I refereed a playoff game. I won't hear you talking about a couple weeks ago, but it was, it was shells and, who was it? Shells and somebody, right? And a red card after 15 minutes or 16 minutes for Shells. Playoff final. Um, whereby a player committed two yellow card offences. That was Longford. the game in Richmond, wasn't it? No, it was, it, was in, uh, it was in Talca Park. Oh, oh sorry, this okay. is back yeah, in the first yeah, division. Yeah, 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 and yeah, then, yeah. There, then there was a leg breaker. Yeah, the James English. Yeah, 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 yeah leg yeah, breaker yeah. tackle, right? Now, you know, second yellow cards... You know, if, if I give a yellow card, and, and I've done it, I give a yellow card earlier, I'm setting the bar at a certain level. I'm setting what's acceptable behaviour and what's not acceptable behaviour. And if players put themselves out there, they're taking a risk, right? They are taking the risk, the responsibilities with the player. They're taking a risk by committing another foul or by doing something else, and then the referee will act upon that. You know, mm. and, 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 it, and it's, it's your own problem, would be my answer to that. You know, you're taking a risk on a second yellow. Mm. Do... Referees themselves get punished um, by way of not getting a game the following week. I find anecdotally that I find this utterly draconian. If this is the case where a referee has a bad game and he's punished by not getting one the next week, okay. So if he or she they have a bad game, <laughs> oh, can I say that now? No, no or they can definitely say not. It's, a gra- it's a grammatical abomination. <laughs> abomination. Enoch was right, but he was wrong. If you get me. Um, 
<laughs> what was I going to say there? Okay, yeah. Like, when when I was doing the... I, I can speak for when I was doing the allocations, right? So uh, if a referee referees a match, they're expected to score a certain mark, okay, on the observation, right? Okay. Expect to perform to a certain level. If a referee misses a... Re- when I was, you know, and I'm sure things aren't that much different, but... If a referee misses a critical decision, right, they can only score a certain certain mark. Otherwise, it was the, the appropriate mark. So say he would have scored 8.4, but he's got 7.9 now. You know, he had a fine game only for this one incident, right? So harping back to what we said about, you know, the amount of decisions. So he's made 200 decisions in a match. He's got one wrong, albeit a critical decision. Now, am I going to drop him the next week? Absolutely not. It's one incident, right? Because what it does is, if I drop that player for that one incident, you know, his confidence is gone. It's the same as a player. Like, if, I, if, if a goalkeeper is playing a goal and he comes for a cross, drops a ball and ends up in the net, is the manager going to drop him the next week? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But I can't imagine, imagine a centre-half making a mistake and he's left out completely, you know. Um, now, if the referee has two or three of them on the bounce, then I have a serious issue. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Fair, and fair. And, and that's... That was the way I was involved in doing the appointments. That was my style for doing the appointments. You know, I, I, you know, people get things wrong. The best referees are the ones that minimise it. But it's a fantastic reward in career. You know, there are fantastic opportunities to travel. You know, there's great pathways in it. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be burying someone from one mistake. It's funny, and, as and well. I don't care who yeah. we are. I wouldn't you, bury someone from one mistake. You might, you might like. You could ask Paul McGrath. You could ask. Um any of these players, oh, what was your what was your best game? What was your favorite game? You ask referee, he might he or she might remember. Nobody cares. Nobody cares, and nobody noticed. Just, I mean, just it's a very serious chat. Um, before we let you go, I mean, I presume like you have very happy memories of referees. <laughs> like we're naturally focusing look, on. Look, on, on I've had I've had the most rewarding career. I've seen people with with grizzly bears on a lead walking down a beach in Albania as a result of refereeing, right? Where would you ever see that? You'd Bad never. decision, was it? <laughs> we, just, we were on a match in Albania. This is guy walking a bear down the beach. Oh, look, I got to referee the, the, the FAI Cup final in the Viva Stadium 2010. The year opened. The first one, Shamrock Rovers, Sligo Rovers. Um, fantastic. Like, at the time, 1,300 referees in the country, 65 on the panel, and you get picked to do. Mm. You know, I've had fantastic memories. I've met some fantastic people. Um you know, people who have your corner. I've met some great colleagues. I have lifelong friends. It's a, like if you were interested in getting there are opportunities. Like I've gone to places that you'd never go to. I mean, who who would visit Tbilisi ordinarily? Mm, outside great of city. <laughs> it a is city, a great yeah. city. But you know what I mean. You get to go to places. Like I've walked around the Faroe Islands at twelve at night when it's right. sort of shining. Yeah, I've had fun. You know, if you know the 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 highs of refereeing are. It's it's a book. Like people will say, it's the next best thing to playing." It's not. There's nothing like playing. Right, there's nothing like playing, but to be able to walk out into the Aviva Stadium or walk out on into Real Madrid, carrying a football, representing your country, representing your league, that the standards not supposed to be very good in, you know, that's fantastic. Yeah, just just finally, I mean, it's very likely that the Premier Division next year will be all full-time clubs. And, and if it's not next year, it's going to be the case within a couple of years. I think even there's, you know, discussions about trying to set minimum standards for that. Um, five years' time, do you see full-time referees in this country? I would love to see full-time referees. That's a discussion that needs to be had. Like, the role I did as allocations going full-time is a positive step. And the next, for me personally, next natural step is to have funding there for referees to go full-time. Will it eliminate everything? No, it won't. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's the next full step. 
It's yeah. very pile of shite. No comment. <laughs> no, um, I, you know, VAR again is interpretation. You know, there is interpretation. It's, it, there is, like, so what you're doing is you're using technology to make another decision. So it's still a human decision at the end of the day. So, yeah, I think one of your referees is potentially going to give Joe Biden a yellow card in Carlingford today. I just imagine <laughs> tempted to, like, this is the funny thing. You, you think, like, I, I do like that anecdote about the guy who lost his job you don't think of these things yeah no it's true and like it's just a, but even that, that is, you know that that human side of it i just I, sometimes think that the referees in this league exist as faceless individuals because you don't speak that's my point yeah, on yeah. It. Look, i understand yeah. the reasons for it yeah. but i think as well like you do like you hear anecdotal tales over the years of referees saying things to players on the pitch and they give a bit back and players generally like it now some managers will hate it and that's obviously just as some you'll make a, a quip to someone walking down the street and some people will find it funny and some people well, won't yeah but like it does feel like you know there's got to be a forum that even if it's not public you know do referees and managers and and did they ever get together like you know once a year and just well, the sit clubs, down and have the, a chat the clubs the clubs are spoken to you know the referees that you know we did it too you go around the clubs and you discuss and, you, and it's important because yeah, you but know, like, you, do the refs themselves get in the room with the managers and never have a chat with them? Would that be a bad yeah. thing? Would we? I don't know. You know, mm. dialogue is always good. Dialogue is always good. Yeah, you know. No. But listen, we, we we really appreciate you coming in. It's been uh, it's been good to get some of uh, the, the referees' point of view and even just how some of it works. I think Johnny. Um, there's a, there's a million more things we could talk about. There right? is. Yeah. No, I think there is. Um, and Johnny, have you any final thoughts here? Um, no, I think that's pretty much it. I, yeah, I, I, I feel there'll be good reaction. Is I think people got some response there to stuff that they just wouldn't know the answer to. And um, actually, one last thing. Oh, here we go. <laughs> do you ever? <laughs> there is going to be a wild card. Here do, we go. You know the way, like I watch football and I don't really see what's going on in terms of tactical play at times. Do you ever just think like nobody sees the game like the referee does? Like people just don't understand the rules there. Laws, no rules. Laws, All laws. How many laws are there? Oh God, Brian Laws. I've had this question before. There's not as many as people think, but it's, it's all subsections. Laws. Yeah. Seventeen laws, right? But yeah. um, do I like? I go to a match now. I watch the referees. I go to an international mm. match. I bring my daughter to the Ireland games as supporters of Ireland. You sit near the press box. I sit right behind yeah. someone in the press box, mm. annoying them. But Good seats. It, I had to pay for them. Um, I bought them. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, we'd watch the referees. You know, and you'd be listening to people, oh, that's a terrible, you know, there's never a yellow card, and you're sitting there going, hmm, it is a yellow card, actually, you know. But, you know, I wouldn't know the first thing about coaching. Wouldn't know the first thing about or yeah. how, how players play. And I often thought, maybe referees should do something on coaching. Or should mm. do, you know, to see how games pan out, or games, mm. you know, or the tactical approach of teams. It's been there great having you on. Yeah, this weekend's fixtures, we'll just run straight them quickly. We've got UCD and Cork on Friday. Uh, this is the Premier Division of fixtures. Only three games Friday, UCD, then. Cork, yeah, we've got Bowes and St. Pat's and Shamrock Rovers and Shelburne, two Dublin derbies. That's a um, live on TV, isn't it? Uh, Shamrock Rovers yeah. and Shells live on uh, RTE, so hopefully there's no refereeing decisions that are subject Rob to a post match. Rob have a fairly, like, just not, nothing much happened. Do on. Know, I would say at the derby, like, someone actually, uh, a fan, uh, listening to the show, just said to me afterwards, I thought the ref was excellent. And I, I've never really had that comment from someone as a, if people are thinking about being on watching it. That was the observer. Or, <laughs> well, it wasn't the observer. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've but, had hardly any reaction to Rob Harbour. I actually did, I just found him on Instagram and it messed him best look because it was a live game and then I saw on the Instagram he loads of photos of like Daily Mount beforehand and he was really enjoying the experience you of, love, you, of you, a big Johnny, game you love the rest Johnny uh, uh, I, so, so, I, I, I think they're generally not the worst yeah I always think the Irish psyche is hilarious <laughs> like, 
like, how are you getting on? Uh, not too bad, which is like yeah, bad, yeah, but not it's, as bad as I could yeah. be. You know, and that's sort of our <laughs> that's our that's our philosophy to life. Uh, Sligo Rovers, Sligo Rovers and Drada is on Saturday, and then Dundalk and Derry because of the Biden visit, presumably because of policing, not because there's a load of referees involved with the Biden visit. Uh, Dundalk v Derry is we'll on Sunday. One of the shortest priced favourites of all time, Waterford at home to Kerry. Hopefully, Kerry keep it competitive in the on Friday. That's a, I think a way yeah, to Waterford is a tough, tough one. one for them. Yeah. Um, and a big buzz again in, in the RSC. Watford, uh, sorry, Galway United Bray, Galway United broke their record for longest wins ever and are bidding to go the whole first series of games without losing not a game. Without, not, without dropping a point yeah. against Bray, Ian Ryan's Bray Wanderers at Lone v Cove, Finn Harps v Treaty and Longford Town v Wexford. Is that Saturday or Friday? That's Saturday. That Saturday, Longford Longford Town against Wexford. Okay. So I think we're all good. Um, we didn't actually give out the collar and cuff mailbag winner, but I think I'm going to go for Fergal Kavanagh because he did come with a, sort of a nuanced point on uh, on refereeing, which is topical for the week that's in it. So, uh, yeah, we'll get the 50 euro voucher over to Fergal. So, Tomas, thanks for coming in. We promise you we'll never bring referees on again. <laughs> um, but no, I, thanks a million, Tomas. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. 